0: Um, I haven't done this in so long. <laughs> this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the
1: internet, man. Off the bookstore. I need to go be introverted.
2: Welcome to Books in the City. Pod.
1: Hey
0: guys, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Kayla. I'm. <laughs>
2: I don't have it open, obviously.
0: I'm Libby.
3: I'm Becky. I'm
0: Emily. And we are four friends who like to talk about books, and that's what we're going to do right now. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking about backlist books, which we're all very excited about.
3: Yes, a special edition episode where we limit ourselves to our backlist and not a recent read. Mm -hmm. Which I feel the need to say that only because I think every episode, like, somebody talks about a book that didn't come out the year that it is. Mm-hmm. But this is like specifically we're like okay, well, collectively we're only talking about these
0: in the group chat, making an announcement to each other that this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of announcements, uh, make sure you go to booksinthecitypod.com and check out the merch sale. So the December book
0: club pick is going to be Always in December by Emily Stone. This has been all over bookstagram and I've been seeing a lot of people say that it made them like break down, sob, cry. I actually didn't cry. So maybe that says a lot about me, but don't, um, be hesitant to go into it because you think it's going to make you sob on the floor. Like some people are saying it definitely is sad, but it is a love story around Christmas time and there's Christmas and holiday joy in it. But also this other side of the holidays that I think gets mentioned a lot, like on Instagram, but no one really, or at least I've never seen it fully explored where the holidays are hard for some people and Sometimes it's hard to feel joy during this time and this book really explores that and I just found it to be very relatable and interesting and a really great conversation and I will be talking about it more on a future episode so stay tuned for that maybe I'll sway your mind if you're worried about reading um a sad holiday book but I'm so excited about this one I really enjoyed it I was smiling like an idiot during most of it too so um there's definitely the very cute like rom-com moments in there as well and we will be meeting to discuss it on Monday December 27th at 8 p.m eastern time so if you've been waiting to Join the fan club book club. This is the perfect time, and I can't wait to chat to you guys about it.
1: Did you bring the fish? Always (laughs) (laughs) nice. Today they want to know what does
3: your dream house look like. This is interesting. I I feel like there's too many answers for me for this because like I don't have one specific thing in my mind.
0: I go through phases where I'm like, I want like the big like American dream like white. Picket fence house in the suburbs, but and then I'm like, Oh, I want like a townhouse in the city or whatever. But the through line of all is that I always want a beach house like, mm. whatever beach house I end up in, that will be the dream house. So, okay, yeah, like just wake up and like see the ocean and like mm. hear the waves when you're going to sleep. Uh,
3: a dream, I feel like right now in my stage of life, the dream would be like an apartment with an elevator and a doorman and rent controlled. Yeah, but like specifically like just like a nice new build. <laughs> you know, I like <laughs> the like oldness of my apartment in like th- the quirks, but like the dr- I guess the dream in my stage of life would just be like a nice recently <laughs> built apartment building that's like doesn't have too many flaws. <laughs> but Those have their issues. Oh, though. I know. I know, but I, I just mean in general, like, a nicer place that's, like, I'm starting fresh. But in, like, a larger timeline, I don't know, because I think, like, oh, I would love, like, an apartment in Paris or, like, I guess maybe an apartment in Paris. I don't know, because I would want to live in the south of France, maybe, Mm -hmm. like, a villa. Like, I don't know. A villa. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking big dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dream dream big, yeah. Like, realistically, (laughs) I have no idea. The first answer I think mm-hmm. is more realistic. Maybe owning an apartment in the city, we'll say, that's big enough for me to have like a whole little recording room for us yeah. <laughs> and a closet that I can actually fit my clothes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I guess I definitely just don't want like a house in the suburbs. Like that does not appeal to me whatsoever. Yeah, no. Except the space. I feel like I could have the space that I need in an apartment building. It would just be like bigger than what I have now.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Libby's <is> not ready. <laughs> Stares at me into yeah. her. Um, I ha Yeah. I have like a similar. F- I have like a mixed fantasy of like I could see immediate me really wants. I've always wanted an apartment with like a nice city view and maybe like an older european city somewhere where you get those like sweeping kind of like cottagey views i'm trying to think we were talking offline of like pinterest boards and i pin a lot of like open window like pictures where they're like overlooking the city and it's like lots of light and then like bookshelves and feels like old that would be nice (laughs) Um, but I also could see like an older version of me wanting to like be hidden away in like the English countryside in a <laughs> nice cottage house. <laughs> uh, I watched The Holiday, and I was like, "That <laughs> is a great the cottage cottage." Yeah, Cameron Diaz that. would love it.
2: What about you, Libby? That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know either. It's weirdly like my current room in my apartment is perfect and if like I had that but it had a closet and it was a little bigger and then there you know there were maybe like two or three rooms similar to that like with that same amount of windows basically just something that's like wide open and lots of windows so I'm also picturing Dan Humphrey's family oh, yeah. loft oh, in yeah. Gossip Girl, but just maybe
3: more windows, but just open windows. There were plenty of windows for uh, What's-Her-Face to climb through. That's so true. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> just something with like a long blank stretch of wall so I could put like five bookcases and then a closet and then a lot of windows so I could
3: fill it with plants. I think this made me realize that I've never thought too hard about like my future home or like my not future home, but like dream home. Mm-hmm. I've watched I don't so even much think
0: about owning a home. Yeah. A girl in I with bought a house the other, and I texted my friend and I was like, "What does she do?" Yeah, because it just seems so like far out of any realm in New York, like, mm-hmm. of ever happening
3: Homes. Well, hope wow. people thought that was interesting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we all know what, what our future looks like.
3: <laughs> Bleak. <laughs> um, uh, should we talk about books? yeah yes. yeah Kayla. You should go first.
0: Okay, I am talking about one of my favorite books, which I do not ever say lightly, and I recommend this a lot to people like outside of the book world. Actually, and it is, I guess, I should tell you what it's called. <laughs> um, it's Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. Actually, Ooh. really quick, fun story. So, at my mom's pool, there's like it's like very clicky it's so fun to like there's so much drama um and I'm like outside of it like there in the weekends in the summer so I just get to like observe and there's like this click of these like older women they've all been friends for like 15 20 years they go to the pool together every single day sit in their corner they're like not super approachable but they like kind of took me and my mom in because we just like show, show up at the pool and like sit and read and that's what most of them do. And at the last day that the pool was open this year, I guess, like, every year they do this, they throw, like, this party. And it was a big deal that we got invited over for, like, drinks and snacks. <laughs> like, they don't Uh-oh. invite everyone to their party. And Congrats. this one woman, though, was like, oh, I always see, see you reading. And we were talking about books. And then she started explaining this book. And I was right away. I was like, before we were yours. And then we just had, like, this whole great convo about it. And then she texted my mom. I'm my like, told her, my, okay, read what? And she texted my mom, like, two weeks later. I love your daughter's website. <laughs>
3: that's okay <Anyway, so> <laughs> oh my god so
0: this book came out a few years ago and when it came out I was in Denver with my sister to see a Heim play at Red Rocks highly recommend going to show at Red Rocks if you can and we stopped into the tattered cover which is a really great oh cool bookstore mm. and right away this book caught my eye and then I like I read the description and then I just like walked by it and like the whole time I was in the store, I kept thinking about it and then I was like talking myself out of it. And then finally I was like, just buy this book. Like you can't stop thinking about it. So I picked it up and I read the entire thing on the plane. Like I could not put this book down and it does what I love most about historical fiction. It brought to light this truly wild real story that happened in America. Um, but so first I'll tell you about the book. So We're in the current day and the main girl is Avery and she's with her dad at this like event visiting a nursing home. I think he's running for office and unclear in my memory on exactly what happens, but it's either like she sees a resident of the nursing home and is like, oh, she looks like my grandma or the lady recognizes Avery. Like there's a recognition between the two of them and like this connection. So Avery is like, huh, that was like weird what just happened and she sets off on this path unearthing some of her family's secrets so you flash back to 1939 in memphis and the main character is rill and her and her family live i think it's like on the swamp um i'm not i don't know like the landscape that well of tennessee but (laughs) <laughs> Their mom is pregnant and they live like on the water, like, Just like in the like a river you, boat or something. I imply that you know it a little bit? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if there's swamps in Tennessee. It though. was like Splash Mountain Rives.
2: <laughs> Splash Mountain Oh, yeah.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that place in Tennessee, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Uh, so the, the mom is, there's like a bunch of siblings, like the parents are like, They live a very unconventional life on the water. Like they live in their boat and they're like a very close in family though. And like the mom is like super loving, whatever she's pregnant and she goes to the hospital to give birth. And while the parents are at the hospital, these strangers like board the boat and take the children and they're taken to the Tennessee children's home society. And that is this orphanage where kids are mistreated abused and in some cases they end up dying in their care and they keep being promised like that they'll get to go home soon and real is like she's the oldest sibling but I don't remember how old she was but she was old enough to know that like something wasn't right like she's like she her goal is to just one keep her siblings together because they start like splitting them up and like obviously the younger ones are like more prized in an orphanage and then she's like why aren't my parents coming like she knows her parents wouldn't like willingly give them up so they keep being promised that like the parents are going to come to get them soon but soon enough they start like being dressed up all of a sudden and like brought out for these wealthy people to like ch- to potentially adopt and the siblings end up getting split up and real her whole storyline is like doing everything she can to like keep her siblings together and to like get back to their real family. So, this is something that actually happened in real life. Georgia Tan is this real life woman who is absolutely evil. And she ran the Tennessee Children's Home Society, and she would kidnap poor children from their front porches. or in the hospital, they'd tell the mother that the baby died. but the baby was actually alive Whoa. and fine, and they
3: stole them. That's insane.
0: and then they would basically sell them to wealthy families. And, like, politicians were involved. Like this went on for a very, very long time. And this isn't even a hundred years ago. Like, It's like, it's so horrible. And like a bunch of people in all the families were super wealthy and they were basically like paying for the kids. And like people in Hollywood adopted kids from her. Like there are some like famous actors that like I wasn't familiar with, but like adopted kids from Georgia Tan and no one knew. Like the people adopting the kids had no idea that like they had families out there that were looking for them. And it's just like this horrible like part in history, but the author also has this nonfiction. i think it's it's called before and after and it's the firsthand accounts of these kids like later in their lives and it's so interesting because most of them admit that they ended up having a better life than they would have because they were from these like extremely poor families and all of a sudden they were like they grew up in a world of like wealth and privilege not all mm. cases but like enough of them that like that's something that really stuck out with me um so I think about this book all the time the fact that this actually happens um and like no one knows about this like it's just it's so crazy and so upsetting and the book itself is just like a great story of like family and like siblings and survival and like found family and it's so great five stars like back then and now and that is "Before We Were Yours" by Lisa Wingate, and I think I have to Google this, but I think she actually Georgia Tan like died before she could have been like brought to justice.
2: Wow,
0: which is fucked up.
2: What? So she just yeah. like saw an opportunity to exploit.
0: It was like like selling kids on the black market, pretty much. But like, what? it was framed as this like the biggest orphanage. Like people would come from all over the country to get kids from her. Ugh. Yeah, that's and I awful. didn't like touch on like. I mentioned it, but, like, the stories of abuse are, like, extremely upsetting. Like, not all of the kids who were taken to this place made it out alive or made it out unscathed. And, like, that, that's, like, a content warning for the book. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, so, so wild. What did you rate it? Five stars. And what was that? Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. She has lots of books, right? I think so, but I, I haven't read any does. other ones yet. Libby what did you read?
2: Okay I'm reading I mean I read um, this book in 2016 and it's a really weird one so just bear with me because it's been a long time and it's a weird book to talk about but I did love it (laughs) and I'm gonna do my best. So I'm talking about You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine by Alexandra Kleeman. Has anyone heard of this?
3: It sounds weirdly familiar.
2: It came out in 2015 and this was her debut and it won awards and stuff. And I feel like she became like a literary it like girl. She's like young and stylish and cool and like very smart and whatever. But it's just like less accessible than she's not like Sally Rooney. But it's interesting like her trajectory, I guess. So I already said it's super weird. So the book is about these characters. Their names are A, B and C. Oh. And... A and B are roommates and A and C are dating and B is slowly but surely like trying to turn into A, her roommate. This sounds like a bad math problem. (laughs) And it's like gradually like sinister how B is trying to turn into A. Like she like at first just kind of like gets the same haircut as her and then like A notices that. B is eating the same foods as her and then eventually it's like revealed that she's trying to sleep with the C and like like oh. A's boyfriend so that's going on there's also this like weird mystery unfolding in their city is like a nameless city like you don't know where it is and there's this weird mystery of people just like disappearing in the city And, like, nobody really knows, like, what's happening, but a lot of people are, like, going missing. And there's something weird going on with the neighbors, too. A notices the neighbors across the street, like, keeps, they keep dressing up as ghosts in, like, sheets and, like, Hmm. ghosting in their (laughs) house. As you do. I feel insane talking about this. Um... It's all very, like, surreal. And the other thing is, A is kind of at a weird crossroads in her life where she's, like, feeling stuck or just, like, feeling, like, disconnected from everything, like, her existence and stuff. And she, like, watches a ton of TV for the commercials because there's this, uh, in my mind, it was, like, Hostess, but there's this um, company, Candy Cakes. And with two K, like candy with a K, cakes with a K. And the like mascot for this company is um, the candy cat with a K. And he's like forever trying to get candy cakes. It's like a silly rabbit trickster for kids type thing. But like these commercials get more and more like progressively like dark where, you know, at first it's just candy cat like try he gets so close to the candy cakes but then it's like ripped from his grasp and it's like haha, no can't candy cat can't have candy cakes and then it like it's just becoming like we wild, wild. I feel like i'm in a dream and that's sort of what it's like when you're reading it too <laughs> and it, that can be fun or it can be kind of scary and it's like very unsettling like hmm. everything especially the candy cat stuff and i've seen alexandra cleman like at the brooklyn book festival and like at author events and she has talked about how she really always did feel bad for the tricks rabbit. So I thought that was kind of interesting that that (laughs) seemed to implant, but basically without giving like much away, it turns out there's this like whole cult thing operating in this town and a sort of becomes involved. Maybe, maybe not. You have to read to find out. But it has to do with like all of this. So the book is like commentary and like satire on like consumerism and conformity. And if like consumerism breeds conformity type of thing, which like sounds pretentious. And I, if you feel like that sounds pretentious, it might read as pretentious to you. But I felt like she pulled it off. Like Ooh. the the. I don't know. It, it almost read to me like in that like detached voice of like a Brett Easton Ellis kind of mm. book where you're just like just vaguely unsettled the whole time. And it does it. I remember it like making me even while I was like, what's going on? What's happening? I was like engaged and enjoying it and also like thinking and mm like sitting in the unsettled feeling so i enjoyed it a
1: lot that's a tone that's really hard to nail down like yeah like it's when books just make you feel uncomfortable you can't pinpoint why but well, then you like end up liking it and you're like this huh, that's so wild you can pinpoint
2: why, though, it it's, um, I don't know, I wouldn't go so far as to, like, call it body horror, but food, like, so the candy cakes, their big thing is that they're all made of chemical, like, there's no food product in them, and there's, like, a candy center in the candy cakes, and sometimes I remember I'd be reading this book, and I'd be, like, eating, you know, like, on my lunch break, having food, and it, some passages would get so, like, quickly turned to this, like, horrifying like horror honestly and where i had to like stop eating because of like the the way that candy cakes are described and then also a has some she like only eats popsicles and oranges no and there's also it's sort of like a little laissez-faire about like eating disorders and stuff because she's like consuming so much tv and there's like standard of beauty commentary in there as well so i mean i guess that's a content warning if because i could see how that would be very off-putting also to be like ironic about you know, an eating disorder, but it's a wild book. Um, well, I'll read it, and then it does <laughs> it does Shocker. take a twist into the cultish. Sold. I'll say. I think it's like oh you're kind of weird. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I'm gonna say. Actually, no. Can I just this one thing that I was referencing about the like body horror? So, like, for example, A would be eating an orange. She's, like, peeling an orange and, like, starting to eat it. And then all of a sudden, you're not sure how, but she's, like, swallowing a fistful of hair as she's eating this orange. And it's, like, things like that where it's just so... It's unsettling the entire time. And then there's these moments where it just, like, turns at the drop of a hat and, like, something horrifying is happening. And you're, like, I feel like I have been thrown down a little, like, pushed down an extra step. And I didn't know it was there. And now my stomach is in my throat and that kind of thing. So it's, like that's terrible effective in that way and yeah just definitely like polarizing it has a pretty bad goodreads <laughs> review but it also like won a lot of awards and was like long listed for some big prizes and stuff like that so i really liked it and i i do really like alexandra cleman and i wish she wrote faster because i mean there's a new book this year but it's been a long time mm-hmm. coming wow. so would you read it i gave it four stars when I first read it, I do want to reread it, like thinking about it now to see if it's, I don't know. It's like nothing I've ever read. I hope, I feel like I really didn't sell it there, but it's crazy.
3: I know that not all of us are like rereaders, but I think it would be interesting if we picked a backlist book, reread it, and then talked about it on a future episode. That would be.
2: So that is You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine
3: by Alexandra Kleeman. Becky, what did you read? Okay, so I read The Underwriting by Michelle Miller back in, I don't even know what year I read it in, but it came out in 2015, so I think I read it in like 2016 or 2017. I got it in the sales section of Barnes & Noble, so I guess it must have already been kind of semi-old at that point. But this is one of the books that, number one, at the end, it teased a sequel, and the sequel never came. What? I'm still not over it. Um,
2: Wait, like there was a sample chapter or something from- no,
3: no, no, no. Just like the last page said like look out for a sequel. <gasps> and then it also said look out for this show that this is gonna be said that it was gonna be a show. It never was a show. The
0: show is less surprising for me to, for not happening, yeah. but that's wild for them to say there'd be another book.
3: Okay, well that's that why Becky is I'm <laughs> ready. I'm happy about it. And now so, Becky's
0: gonna convince you all to read this and be angry and be mad.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna tell you about the book, but I, I'm also gonna say maybe i'm not recommending it you she's know she's going to
0: send around a petition for signatures for this <laughs> right sequel. well this author
3: <laughs> has writ- written since then a whole other series like what have yeah, you happened? contacted <laughs> the publisher <No>. reach out <laughs> we'll see what they say <laughs> i'll just send them a link to this episode like i have thoughts <laughs> um anyway so i guess i would say this is kind of a financial thriller oh it's oh. um fast paced it's sort of chick lit i feel like I categorize it as Chicklet because I read it during a part of my life where I was getting back into reading, and Chicklet was my like gateway to getting really back into reading. But it's definitely not like a girly book, if that makes sense. So basically, this is about employees at this like kind of Wall Street banking firm called El Cecile. And they're gearing up for this IPO of a dating app called Hook, so IPO initial public offering. There's this character named Kelly. She's a hook user, but she also interned at this place, El Cecile, and she's just accepted a position there. And she reaches out to Tara, who is one of the main characters and was her mentor during the internship, letting her know she's going to accept the position. And she's very excited. Tara's really excited for Kelly. Um And so she's also, Tara's like, great, this person that I, you know, worked with, this intern was, who was awesome is coming to work for us. Also, I'm on the team for this IPO that's going to be like one of the biggest IPOs in a long time. It's basically like, imagine like Hinge going public. I don't know if it is public, but like, imagine if it did. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh a my big God. big deal. Yeah. So after accepting the job, Kelly spends the night out with her friends um and the next day she's found dead. Oh and the explanation is a drug overdose. I should have content warning for that. Content warning in general for like debauchery. Like think of w- uh the Wolf of Wall Street a little bit. Did you say the Wolf? <laughs> wolf of <Okay. laughs> <laughs>
2: Can you not say wolf? <laughs> 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 Boy Park. <bark. laughs>
3: now I don't know.
2: <laughs> you don't know what to Sorry, no pressure. What's no <laughs> no the episode title? <laughs> Wait, it's kind of reminding me of
3: the, the boys law club. firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: that's what thing. Yeah.
0: Now I need to read this because I've been like looking for something similar.
3: Nice. Um, so her friends and family are like baffled by this because this isn't something that she would do. Um, so Kelly's death. There's a lot of drama with Hook going public. The question is like, are the events related? Like, is Hook somehow involved in this? So there's a lot of buzz growing for the IPO, and there's like also speculation about the security of the app, like which we've all heard a lot about with Facebook lately. Or I mean, sorry, Meta. Meta. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, Angers technically, me. I think the overarching company is met- called Meta, but yeah. Facebook, the app, is still Facebook. So I'm not wrong. I don't care. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, so I remember a lot of the drama this book had to do with the particulars of IPOs and like banking, but I don't remember it getting really into the weeds of it. I don't remember much else. I remember thinking like, if you work for a company and they go public, you can become very wealthy (laughs) based on the way it happened in this book. And this book has been on my mind this past week because as of recording, a company I used to work for went public this week that I remember when I worked there I always wanted them to go public when I went when I was working there I was like I'm gonna be a millionaire um probably not but (laughs) that's some that's what I remember from this book is like it being like a huge deal it could be super lucrative for the like people in the company this book is really dramatic it's like very fast-paced I will say though I remember being desperate For the sequel, like that sticks out in my mind, which makes me wonder: did it end on a cliffhanger? Like, why was I so obsessed to get the sequel, and it never came? So that's something to consider. Maybe because I just wrote this
0: book on my list, and then now I'm like, maybe I should delete it because I'm (laughs) gonna be tortured.
3: I don't know. I have it. You can borrow it. Okay.
0: No, but waiting for the next one
3: that'll never come. I don't know. Like, it might just be that she's working. It came out in 2015, so
2: she could still be working on it. If she could. It takes people a long time to write books
3: sometimes, man.
0: And it seems like she got sidetracked with the other series. Yeah.
3: Well, mm-hmm. I have hope. I have hope. Um, but I did say here in my notes, it was five stars. I just read that. But I'm docking it to 3.5. stars.: so oh. the sequel and the show never came out. <laughs> You're wow. about this. You are a vengeful god of <laughs> ratings. This is a vendetta. Have you Googled? Yeah. Well, I remember after I read it, I was Googling it. I haven't Googled since about it. But um,
1: never. You never the underwriting. It's gone.
3: There? The underwriting by Michelle Miller. So Kayla, if you do end up reading it, let me know if it ends <laughs> on a cliffhanger. What does underwriting mean? Is so a, a bank. So that's like the big thing with this. When you go public, a bank like ba- basically underwrites the whole deal, and ass- This is how they assess how much per share it's going to be. So it could be like, you know, you can buy a share for like $8 or you could buy a share for like $25 or even more. And if you're, if you go public at a high share amount, like you make tons of money. So the company that I I used to work for went public, I think it was like $23 a share. So they made like millions of dollars on that IPO. So they basically got a new round of funding. Thank Thank you. you.
2: From her Instagram. In March, 2016. The caption says, a year and a half, six cities, 2,000 discarded pages, four scrapped plot lines, 26 killed darlings, and six pounds gained from late night peanut butter pretzel binges. Hashtag truth. Later, <laughs> there is at least a draft for the sequel to the underwriting, now off to make it readable, but not without huge thanks for all the moral support from so many incredible friends along the way.
3: Okay, so that makes me even matter, right? Because that was so 2016. The That's the like killed it.
2: What was in this draft... Yeah, something that happened. they just did. No, they didn't get the picked up. The draft
1: probably said something about meta the corporation. Do do that
0: though with like they it's would just kill itself. Yeah,
3: yeah I'm it's sure. Really well, here's the thing, maybe I, I, where maybe we'd be
0: like back to the drawing board. Guys, well, maybe
3: this book sticks out in my memory as a good book. Maybe it sucks.
0: What is uh. happening? <laughs> We're on a roller coaster.
3: Oh my god. A few uh, some weeks
2: ago. A caption. I just finished the original, and after scouring the internet for the sequel that was promised to be released in 2016, all I found was this post. I guess there will forever be no resolution. People commenting, same, it's not fair for her readers. Where's the sequel? Ma'am, you can't leave me hanging like this. Okay. No. So, I'm was not alone. Was this ever published? Oh, my God. She's crickets.
3: On crickets. The, on the sequel.
1: 2016, do you think the author fucked up? did some cancel culture no
3: shit. no I don't think so
1: she released a whole other series mm.
3: yeah wow. so um, uh, the reason I say maybe it sucks is I haven't read it since 20 I don't know 16 so I don't know I think it was good it, I you gave it, it as, five stars initially. yes but like how many books have you read in the past and then if you went back to it maybe like you're not re- like it wasn't as good to me I thought it was great I was on the edge of my seat made me want to be rich <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God! What
3: everyone
2: commenting on every recent post? Did oh a
3: sequel God. to the underwriting
2: ever come out? Is
0: she, she just ignoring them?
2: She just ignores. Wow,
3: guys, there's wow. a conspiracy, and I have to get to the bottom of it. But so. she went over to Amazon Let's Publishing, bring her which on is the interesting. Podcast. Dear yeah. people
1: of the Books in the City podcast, please use your power to. <laughs> oh my God! Conjure a, a sequel.
3: Anyway, I, I feel if like many listeners of also
0: AI. read this though and have been waiting.
3: yeah let me know because like what the heck it just reeks of backdoor drama
0: yeah i want to know the drama behind the unreal sequel something is going on i want a book about that
3: yes it feels spooky you can write that (laughs) anyway Anyway, that was the underwriting by michelle miller
2: (laughs) (gasps) what (laughs) Okay, back story to the listeners who can't
3: see, <laughs> Libby is like on an investigative well, journey. Well, because now I'm sort of like Libby's in slithing
2: it. hard. So, Michelle, in May 2016, excited to kick off my summer with the fab premiere of Kingdom Season 2 and to be working with this guy to develop the pilot for the underwriting.
3: I told you no show came of to be, which is that you know, happens a
2: lot.
3: Chris Dickey
0: who the heck is he well he's a private
3: private sounds like a fake name private with 150
2: followers so i'm like was wait kingdom is that the nick jonas fighting show what was that in
0: 2016 yeah oh my god i guess some of my family members are obsessed with that show plot twist okay let's take this (laughs) (laughs) this
3: investigation he broke up the jonas brothers and he (laughs) killed the sequel let's take this off the pod and let emily talk about her book sorry yeah yes. libby's got the claire danes like math meme pile. i know <laughs> sorry i don't it's e- a conspiracy guys
2: i didn't even know i
3: was invested in this Libby's on the case pick <laughs> it up or don't i think it was a good book emily what did you read
1: well <laughs> nothing so exciting as
3: that that was
1: a wild ride <laughs> <Just> <laughs> i know yeah I guess. we're gonna
3: <laughs> end on i think a
1: lull possibly <laughs> <laughs> we're coming down no what? i read um the new me by hallie barry no by <laughs> hallie <laughs> butler you talked about that
2: <gasps> girly i think you talked about it oh fuck
1: me Did i'm I?
3: checking the doc
1: oh i should check the doc <laughs> did i talk about it i thought with the fly on oh, the cover shit. unless unless <laughs> I'm going to talk about the new me. And listeners, please let me know if I already spoke about this. (laughs) That would just be a fitting way to end this um, turbulent backlist episode. Uh, I was thinking about it recently because on my other backlist episode, we did My Year of Rest and Relaxation, and this book has a very similar energy. It came out in 2019, and I remember checking it out of the library right before like the libraries shut down in 2020 and then I read it in quarantine and then I like took it outside I read it on my fire escape like while I was quarantining and then I like brought it outside on one of my first COVID walks in the spring so Hmm. um that will always have a memory for me it does have very good cover there's a fly on a girl's face, and she's unblinking. Anytime I read about like corporate America, it always feels like f- like fiction because <laughs> I don't have like a corporate job, you know. So this is a case where like our main, it's like a fantasy. yeah, right. It's like our main character Millie is like stuck in this like temp job at a corporation and just like not really treading towards a career that she can see. And there's just like a lot about her life that's kind of like stuck in a rut and you're inside her head the whole time. So it was interesting to like read it in quarantine. Just this idea of like Millie always wanting to do little things like (laughs) not let her produce go bad or like remember to throw at her yogurt container like every morning she wakes up and she thinks she's gonna like do yoga and like turn into this perfect person who has it all figured out and like every day she wakes up and it just like doesn't happen but she's gonna try and I find that really like relatable there's not a lot of plot to it aside from the fact that the narrator I remember was a very like dry narrator like very sarcastic it gave me a kind of like office space vibes do you remember that movie (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the man who wants to, like, set the building on fire. I feel like Millie would want that. Um, And it was set in Chicago, which I remember and enjoyed because there was a lot of, like, modeling descriptions of Chicago in its winter months, but, like, the back end, which would be, like, March, and it's always just, like, messy. Like, there's so much salt on the ground. And it ruins your shoes, and, like, everything is mushy and gray and not pretty and, like, I felt that as a <laughs> as a description, and I don't know. I just relate to that idea of like wanting to improve yourself, but not doing enough to like actually achieve it or whatever. I think that's very relatable. Like you have it in your head that you want to like achieve something by a certain age or whatever. You realize you're like your life is kind of like solidifying around you. You know, like there isn't so much like potential as a young person anymore. Like at a certain age, things that, that like That's just life. I think that's That's what Millie is struggling with. It's like there's only, you know, so much space left to, like, make the career move that I want to make. I think she wants to be a writer
3: or something.
1: (laughs) I can't remember what her ambitions are.
3: It's clear to me that Emily is, like, completely going off (laughs) of memory right now.
1: She's not even looking at any notes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because my phone died. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm going off memory, but I was thinking about it recently because it's not like I wouldn't say it's like memorable, but the feeling of it stuck with me. No, like I can't recall like the details. Right. Mm. But the feeling like stuck with me. And the imagery of like the woman on the cover with the fly on her face and she's like not blinking.
3: Mm -hmm. She's
1: just like sad. It's kind of a weird book as well. But, and it's pretty short. I did enjoy it. Oh, and I was reading it when I was trying to make conversation with the person next to me on the fire escape. And then we, that was like on the tails of a conversation where I learned their rent. And then therefore I moved because I learned I was overpaying. So in a way this book changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so yeah. What'd you rate it? I think I gave it like a four star. Okay. Sweet. And uh, she's another book. Um, Jillian, which I would like to read in the future. It's got a dog on the cover.
2: Interesting. Yeah. What was this? The new me.
3: By seems like Hallie Butler.
2: Seems like you didn't talk about it. Yeah, that's all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's on your TBR? Jillian by <laughs> Hallie Butler. Nice. <laughs> What's on your TBR?
0: a rogue of one's own by evie donmar
2: oh i've heard of that i read
0: the first one like two years ago right when i moved into this apartment actually and then just never really went back but bridgerton got me really into like the historical romance um and these are like a nice it's like a feminist spin on them so so i've been back into them becky
3: um, I'm going to read The Wicked Widow by Beatrice Williams.
0: Okay. So when you said uh-huh. about rereading a book, I actually have been thinking to myself, I think I need to reread The Wicked City because now this is a series and I do not remember that book. Yeah. So maybe I'll reread that book for the
3: fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just letting uh, you know. How many times <laughs> can I say yeah? yeah? Libby, what is on
2: your TBR? Uh, something New Under the Sun by Alexandra Kleeman nice which is that author of that weird book i just talked about
3: love it and where are you on the interwebs uh sleep run read repeat i'm at the lazy library i'm at becky in the bookshelves
0: i am at k red what and you can find all of us at books in the city pod make sure you're following subscribed whatever it is you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on leave us a nice rating and review please Follow us on Twitter at pod. like our Facebook page, Books in the City Podcast. Head to our website, BooksinCityPod.com, for all of the things like merch and fan club and book club and everything else.
3: <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. I love you, man. Bye.